Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to be. If you're new to the Bible, Matthew chapter 4 in the Bibles that we're passing out is on page uh, 809. Well, today we're talking about this idea of worship fully. What a great place to start. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. God Almighty, we love you. And God, I just thank you for the way that your Spirit works as we gather in this way. And God, I pray that you would do something today supernatural in our hearts. God, you would move us from any kind of complacency in our spiritual lives. God, you would arrest our hearts. We'd grab its attention. And God, we would begin to turn it fully to you in worship. And God, thank you that worship is more than songs on a Sunday. It's more than gathering with the church. Worship is a natural response. We get to live with our lives because what you've done for us. We get to turn our attention to you, oh God. And God, I've lived in different ways. Many of us have and lived in different ways, given our worship to different things, God. But I believe this morning, God, what you want us to know is that our worship, worshiping fully, really, truly is the way we were created to live. So God, I pray you do something that I could not, never do as much as I would want to do and try to do something. I pray that you would, you would grab our heart's attention and you would move us in our spiritual journeys, God. We love you, and I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So here's the main idea for this morning, the place that we're going. Worshiping fully requires that we urgently leave anything that keeps us from fully worshiping. So here again, if you're taking notes. Worshiping fully requires that we urgently leave anything that keeps us from fully worshiping. Not hard to understand. My hope this morning as I stand before you is that something about this will arrest your attention, will wake you up. I'm reminded of a time when I was in college. I started my undergraduate studies at Northeastern State University in Oklahoma, and after about a year and a half there, I had gotten myself into a bit of a mess. I was in a relationship that was not healthy, and I kept going back like a whip dog and getting hurt over and over and over. I was at a point in my studies where the schoolwork became so much, and I began to push it off and begin to struggle in my degree. And my friendships were struggling. I had one foot in the, like the Christian friend, like we love God kind of world, and another foot in the world that is, hey, let's live it up, let's party, you're only young once. And I got so stressed. I remember one night I was laying in my bed and in my dorm room, and I, uh, I couldn't sleep, and so I thought, well, what I need to do is just go home. And I lived about an hour and a half away, and so I thought, well, this is stupid. It's in the middle of the night, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so I get up. I drove a 1988 Ford Mustang. You know I was a baller. I mean, I drove a Mustang. This thing was an LX, though. It wasn't GT. We couldn't afford the insurance. And... Um, I remember getting into that gray car with those sweet rims and those tinted windows, and I was the guy that had the sound system in the back, you know, that took up the trunk. And, uh, and I got in that thing, and I started driving home. And I don't know what I was thinking along the way, but I thought, I'm going to play this game. I guess I was bored, restless, whatever, maybe a little overconfident. I'm going to play this game where I'm going to see how long. Maybe, maybe this was about me testing and wondering if I was a man and if I was struggling. I'm going to see how long I can keep my eyes closed while driving without opening them, I'm going to see what kind of man I am. Now, raise your hand if you've ever done that. 
so I can know who else is dumb. Okay, three. All right, three. <laughs> Ken raised his hand and ducked his head. That was probably a good move, Ken. Um, I, I did that, and, and something happened there that I didn't expect. I fell asleep. And I awakened as my car hit a guardrail on the side that was placed there on the freeway to keep people from going into the ravine on the other side. Let me tell you what happened when I hit that guardrail. I was awakened. I was shook up. I was moved. I was freaked out. I was scared. I pulled my car over to the side, and I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? And I realized in that moment, it, something was happening that was larger than just, I was an idiot, I was playing this game, and I closed my eyes. And by the way, my mother listens to the podcast, and she will hear this story for the very first time. And so it may affect my Christmas gifts, but that's okay. I was, I was shook up, so I was at a place in my life where I was kind of going along. I had one foot in the Christian faith world and another foot in the secular, like, worship yourself kind of world. And I got in my car, I drove along, I had a moment of stupidity, I hit this guardrail, and so what happened there was I was awakened, not only physically awakened, not only was my heart racing, but something in my head was awakened, like, what are you doing? You have one life to live. And you can't chase two horses. You can't chase the world and you can't chase after Jesus. And so my prayer this morning is that what this message will do was, is, is awaken those of you that need to be awakened. Would, would cause your hearts to race for the things that Jesus is about. This worship fully idea, you know, worship is when we ascribe or we give ourselves to something fully. We give our attention and our time and our energy, and that's the thing that drives us and moves us and motivates us. My hope this morning is that what we will do is we will be moved in such a way, awakened, shook up, arrested in such a way that God, we walk out of here and we say, I have got to be about Living with full worship for God. So here's the plan. Here's where we're going to go. First of all, respond to Christ, and then I'm going to lead you to assess your current worship, and then I'm going to call you to action. And the call to action today is going to be that you would leave immediately anything other than Jesus that you might give worship to. So respond to Christ, assess your worship, and then we're going to call you to action to leave immediately. It's not a long message, but I think an important one. Matthew chapter 24, verse 43, Jesus says these words. So you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. The sense of urgency that we must feel this morning in this Advent season is that Jesus will return. Our lives will not go on forever. And He may return before we breathe our last breath. And when Jesus comes, there will be final judgment for all people, the living and the dead. The faithful will receive spiritual bodies for eternal life. The wicked will be cast into hell. There will be a final defeat and destruction of all evil. Thank God, Satan, sin, suffering, and death. And the kingdom of God will come to its fulfillment at last. But until then, we ask, how should we celebrate Christmas? How can we live 
worshiping God fully? And the guide for that question is the Bible. And so in Matthew chapter, 20, or Matthew chapter 4, we see this fantastic passage. Frankly, this is one of the most uh, breathtaking passages in the Bible for me in my own spiritual journey. And just to give you a little bit of a context here, what's happening in Matthew chapter 4. You know, the book of Matthew is part of what's called the Gospels, if you're new to the Bible. Uh, the Gospels are kind of like biographies of Jesus' life. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read those if you're new to the Bible and you want to know more about, okay, who is Jesus? And, and uh, so God became flesh in the form of a man that we call Jesus, which we're celebrating at Christmas. And at this point in Matthew chapter 4, we realize that Jesus is able to resist the temptation of Satan, and, uh, and he was baptized. Uh, he begins his public ministry, and he, in his public ministry, says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, you can be reconciled to God. God is working in a new way in the world. He's given people new life as people who are reconciled to him or made at peace with him through something that Jesus is going to do. And so Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, begins to call his disciples. I love that about Jesus because Jesus isn't a one-man show in the sense that he's just going to go and hang out and, uh, and isolate himself and do his thing. No, he invites people to walk with him and to see what it is really like to worship fully. And in Matthew chapter 4, he calls four guys and uh, and. And they're doing what many people at this time period did. They're working. They're, they're leading normal, ordinary lives. They're fishermen. And, uh, and we see that the very first thing that they do is when Jesus calls them is they respond immediately to God's invitation to follow Jesus. They, they respond immediately. I love these places in the Bible because there are some things about our spiritual journeys where it just takes time to, to kind of work out things. But there are also times in our lives where, where we cannot delay. We must respond immediately. I think sometimes uh, we get so busy that we don't have the energy to respond immediately to God because we're kind of worn out. And sometimes responding immediately requires sacrifice, it requires effort, it requires a reprioritizing of the things that are in our lives. But these guys respond immediately. Everybody say immediately. Peter, James, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, uh, they were invited by Jesus to follow him, as I mentioned, and, um, and, and choosing to follow Jesus meant that they had to leave all that was familiar. They had to step in faith to give their lives to something new. And what's amazing about this was following Jesus wasn't just something they chose to add to their lives. It's like, okay, I got that faith box checked off. Right alongside my, I got a, good bo- good, got a good job box. I got a nice car box. I got some friends. No, it, it wasn't like that for them. What they were doing when they chose to follow Jesus, they were choosing, choosing to worship fully and give themselves fully to what God was doing in their lives in, around them. Now, fast forward three years. We know that Jesus was crucified. He, he paid the ultimate sacrifice of death on a splintery cross to pay for sin, making it possible for all people to worship fully. Now, these four guys did not have all of the story at this point that they were called, but no doubt God was working in their lives. Look there in verse 20. What word do you see? Immediately. When Jesus calls them, they leave immediately. It says immediately they left their nets and followed him. James and John, in verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. This is a part of the Christian faith. Now, 
This wasn't the first time that they'd heard that the Messiah was coming. But when Jesus called them in this moment, they responded immediately and left something. There's part of me that wants to soften this because I realize that when we begin to preach the gospel that says following Jesus and worshiping fully means leaving all that's familiar, that that we get uncomfortable with that because many of us have worked very hard to build a lot of comfort and security in our lives. But what Jesus is saying is follow me, join me. God is doing something in the world that I want you to be a part of. Which requires us to assess what it is that we worship. Do you know that everyone worships something and, and oftentimes we attempt to worship multiple things? Maybe for these guys, they worship the finance, financial security that comes with owning your own business having a stable job. There were fish in that sea. It wasn't always maybe what they hoped it would be, but there were fish there and they knew how to do it. Or maybe they worshipped social status of being a fisherman, which is not actually a great social status, but it was a social status. They had their tribe that they were a part of. Or maybe they worshipped the comfort of working daily on something that was so familiar. They knew what to do. They had their routine. Many of us do. But I want you to understand, as we think about what it means to worship fully, and we ask the Spirit to arrest our hearts and to wake us up, get our attention, that choosing to follow Christ puts us on a path of worshiping fully, where we must choose daily to leave things that distract us from God. See, there's a problem. The problem is that There's something outside and something inside every day that distracts us from worshiping God fully. On the outside, every day we encounter messages that something other than God can meet our deepest spiritual need. I mean, this is the time of the year where retailers are spending millions and millions of dollars to convince you that if you just purchase this at this discounted rate, that you'd be a little more fulfilled than you were before you had it. We are frequently tempted to believe that ultimate joy can be found in other things. Now, don't hear me wrong. I believe that the giving and receiving of gifts, especially the receiving of gifts, is a really wonderful thing. Extra large, size 13 shoes, just FYI. That's a wonderful, beautiful thing, but what I want you to think about is that outside we encounter messages that that something other than God can meet our deepest spiritual needs. The current culture is not worship God fully. Instead, it is worship yourself. And, And let's talk more specifically about the current Christian culture. It's not worship God fully. Instead, it is make Jesus one of the things you give your lives to. And resist any lifestyle changes that are uncomfortable or inconvenient or easily dismissed or overlooked. It's fascinating to me because all this research is coming out about what's happening in Christianity in America. And there's a really large group of 
individuals that are a part of the church, sort of, called nominal Christians, which I'm not even sure that that's possible to be a nominal Christian, but it's people who are defined in this way. They claim to be Christian, but their behavior does not reflect Christ. But there's, there's also a problem on the inside. Every one of us live with a limited view of how glorious God is. So when I invite you to worship fully, what we must acknowledge is that within us, there's still, amen, God. Within us, there is still something that, 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 that can't quite see that God is worthy of worship fully. I mean, the aim of our gathering each week is to help you to see how glorious God is so you can connect with God and give your full worship to Him. One of my favorite authors and somebody that's often quoted in Christian circles is a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis wrote in the late 1800s. He has this to say about worshiping fully. Give me all of you. That's what God is saying on C.S. Lewis. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your talents and money, and so much of your work. I want you, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, all of you. I have not come to torment or frustrate the natural man or woman, but to kill it. No half measures will do. I don't want to only prune a branch here and a branch there. Or rather, I want the whole tree out. Hand it over to me, the whole outfit, all your desires, all your wants and wishes and dreams. Turn them all over to me. Give yourself to me, and I will make you a new self in my image. Give me yourself in exchange. I will give you myself. My will shall become your will. My heart shall become your heart. This is what it means to worship fully. To worship fully is to give ourselves fully to God, everything. And this is counter-cultural, and it's counter-self. I wonder if you live in this way. Spirit causes me to ask myself the question, do I live in this way? It also begs the question of what have we been unwilling to give to God? that might be distracting us from worshiping Him fully. Do you know that you cannot worship more than one thing fully? It's impossible. You try to worship the world and worship God, worship yourself and worship God, you will become disconnected and stressed. You cannot worship more than one thing. If you worship success and work with financial gain, you're unable to worship God fully, and your work and your money inspires how you live. If you worship another human being, you're unable to worship God fully, and man's approval or attention directs how you live. If you worship temporary pleasures, you're unable to worship God fully, and the fleeting pleasures of excessive drink, illicit sex, and material things will provoke how you live and will lead you to death. If you worship comfort, you're unable to worship God fully and security will cause you to live an adequately boring life. If you worship some kind of ongoing sin, you're unable to worship fully and shame will suffocate your ability to connect with God. And all of these things, the worships of success and another person and temporary pleasures and 
comfort and some kind of sin will keep you from living the life that God has planned for you. Many of you are here because you want to hear from God and you want to live a life that's meaningful and full of worship. You're not here the days of people coming to church, especially in this area of the city, just because you feel like you should. You have a sense of ought to. Those days are going away. Many of you are here because you want to be a part of something that when God looks at it, it's like, those are my people worshiping me fully. They've chosen to worship me, not financial gain or work success or another human being or temporary pleasures or comfort or ongoing sin. They've chosen to worship me. That's what you are here for. That's what you want to be a part of. But it requires for all of us to ask the very honest question, what is it that we've been unwilling to get away from, to repent of, so that we can worship God fully. What I would say to you, leave it immediately. You know what it is. I trust that the Spirit is bringing it to your mind. Anything that keeps you from worshiping God fully, what if this was the Christmas year where you said, you know what, I'm tired of playing the game where I have one foot in the God thing and one foot in the world. Instead, I want to go all the way Jesus and I want to see what God is going to do with my life. What if you said, I will immediately leave this area of sin. I will immediately obey in an area God is calling to. I will immediately get out of that unhealthy relationship or I will immediately marry the person that I'm living with and not married to. I will immediately reject that sin or I will immediately respond to God because I want want my life to be full of worship. It's interesting to think about Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They left it all in this moment, and they began this journey of learning what it means to worship fully. If you have come to a place in your life where you've heard the good news that though your sin separates you from God, God made a way through Christ for your sin to be forgiven, then that was the moment where you immediately left your old life and begin a new life. But all along the way in our journey, there are moments where, where, we, where we respond to the call of God to worship fully by leaving something immediately. It's interesting to think about Andrew. Um, there's a story about when there was lots of people that were hungry, 5,000 people, and Jesus and his disciples are hanging out with them, and uh, Andrew has, is filled with doubt. He's like, what are we going to do to feed all these people? He was filled with doubt. But this part of his spiritual journey was that he left doubt immediately in the moment that Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish and fed all those people. James and John, uh, they're called the sons of thunder. I think one of the reasons that they're called the sons of thunder is because they had an impulsivity about themselves. They, oftentimes it would manifest itself in things like anger. But over time, the sons of thunder became known for their courage and love. They immediately left. As they walked with God and wanted to worship Him fully, they immediately left that impulsive anger to become people who were known for courage and love. Peter, he left a number of things. Most notably was left the fear of rejection by his peers. And they followed Christ into an adventure of countercultural living for something that lasts even today. Something that you and I are a part of. And eventually, their worship for God was so full that it led them to a place where they died for their faith in Jesus as Lord. 
I mean, that today sounds radical to us, but in the first century and second century, even, even third, um, somebody worshiping God fully to a place where they had to choose to worship God or die was very common. Now, uh, we live in the day where it's like the people actually show up to church every week are kind of like radical Christians. What I'm saying to you is that we must, along the way, choose to leave immediately the things that distract us from worshiping fully. What is that for you? All of us have them. Is there a relationship that must change? Is it a lifestyle choice? Is it bitterness, anger? I beg you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to leave it immediately. Another quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death. The death of your ambitions and your favorite wishes every day and the death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being to God and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. This is what it means to worship fully. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you'll find in the long run hatred and loneliness and despair and rage and ruin and decay. But look for Christ. Worship fully and you will find Him and with Him everything else will be thrown in. May we be the kind of people who choose daily to worship fully. And as Christmas approaches, may we experience the joy of worshiping fully. There is joy there. And if we do, we will live full lives. You will have what you long for, and that is a life that's about something that's larger than you. It's something more than just financial security and being liked by everyone. You will get to be a part of something that God is doing in the world, in this city, in this community to reconcile people to Himself for His good and for His glory. This is what it means to worship fully. If we do, this is really living. If you don't, you'll fritter your days away on earth. May we be the kind of people that worship fully. Let's pray about this and think about these things.